Ratendia kwate Rabu janaila urunde keti Manto lebwele kita Atobea 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 Etomea Jaika tabalia tanahuna na masaria kata Jilevele kuriebete Ramokoti labahadi 
jilala bokoria na mahasanta labahadi Ramuya katema na naye manana yo sana maena manadeka inana masentele borila Lakuna maikata balie kosidi Father in this season we are acutely aware of our insufficiency We are acutely aware of our insufficiency if you don't stand for us if you don't fight for and with us if you don't intervene on our behalf then we have nothing to hold on to so we cry out lord we cry out lord abba 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 aina kotona sika we cry out to you jele kwatibani akwate we declare that we need you we declare that we need you it is you we run to your name is a strong tower we run in and we are saved your name oh god is a strong tower we run in and we are saved we run in and we are safe malekwa tapaniakata show us your glory show us your glory show your salvation send now and deliver oh lord kalebranion kotaniakapa send now your deliverance oh god stretch forth the right arm of your power stretch forth the right arm of your power stretch it forth oh god lakwate baila ette bonito letwanika papa jebea jebea stretch forth the right arm of your power of your power of your power we need you we need you we need you lord aila munze vedikata baba in this season lord we ikunama rekototikapa 
make grace grace copious grace extravagant grace available to us we cry for your mercy we appeal to 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 your mercy son of david have mercy on us son of david have mercy on us son of david have mercy on us Son of David, have mercy on us. Zigada Boala, Belukani Atata, Ekoboa, Lelekunai Latabea, Ikureketebu, Lelenteti, Soto, Eteteti. Babuna nekwati Eto Eto Eteaka Aile kunela Atwanea Apwanela Apwanela Apwa Apwa Ebwa Eya Aliaka ila maruekata Mercy Lord Koboya katiti Otonene nikaba Zekweti Ekwe Ekwe Eto Brakateti Eketetia Iletoti Marakatea Thank you, Lord. 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 
inandarabu jigarababahari korabata e jidararabahari e kwade 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 e shananarabadiata lado thank you thank you e korababa zigodabareke ila brakomba babadi e jesus e jesus ula brakodina namahaze e korababa aito ah ikuna ikuna eama etunalia kataba emadi orababadi ikokapapa akuria kakaba Ijada baba baba Ijadadabaha Ela baba bahadim Malie kuriana mante kepela Aitoma Aitoma liakatena Jebrentona mailata Atwama Atwama Oh Jesus. Jesus. Yeshua. Yeshua. Thank you for arising on our behalf. Thank you. For arising on our behalf. Zilabadoa. Zilabarababokata. Mayenahati. Mayena. Mayena. Zigedeboriatata. Ijadar Bahadi. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ikatabo. Kabo, 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 Kabo. Jededi Balada. Aikata. Aikata. Ali no 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 tebehedia. Rako barikidi. Jebredia. Jebredia. 
jebrediala bahadi ikunanda bahadi thank you thank you lord thank you thank you lord thank you lord Rabakapatokubarabasha Mande kapai la baba bandos kuka jekete le broko mandos katai le brakata aba le broko pa le broko tande celebro zede bobos ke pai le brakate le bradosa makai le broto jande ketetete le broko ta makapapando se ketete le broko to zira baba baba base kapapando bobos katai zetande kikatai le broko ta zira baba Makando shate le bracatondo shadai Rakapando se baba Rokomando se ke le brocotando shai Ila boboska panda ikapando shadai Rada babande se le baba Makai le brocopa le broscotande le bradai Ikando ikando rebatal le brata Repando ikapai le bro ikai le brodosa Mande yaraba shande le bo Makapai le brokota Zeke pandos kapa Mando selere le shata Rande kapai le brobo Makapando shapapa le brokota Zede boskata Makando sheke le brokoto Mande silababa Mando kopa le brokota Jakata pando ikapa Manda sete te le broto Zekapapando shande keta Rakapampa Mando Shandelebo. Father, we lift up our hands and we lift up our voice as an evening sacrifice. Makapando Shalabrakata. Maketete Lobokoto. Rekad, we come and bask in the ambience, O Lord. Rakapando Shah. Make yourself known. Come and visit us, O God. We desire encounters, O Lord. You have been visiting us, O. You set our expectations. 
limitations, oh Lord. Mande We place the demand on our spirit. We place the demand on your spirit. As a matter of default, oh God. Father, faith in the currency of heaven god you've invested too much in us oh god to leave us now father we need you we cannot do this without you this is a way that has never been traversed before in this generation a world still full of sin yet an anemic body of christ Raise up a generation, spirit of the living God. Rakata papa pa lebra ikapando shadai. Rada baba ketei lebro komando skatai. Zida bashkatai. Rakando iba iba rabashanda baba. Look throughout your body, oh God. Raba baba and once again rakete drew down to remnant. Libra kata you can see prayer culture. Raba we are not perfect, oh God. Makada baba but your eyes test the hearts and reins of men use us oh God continue to teach us that God is spirit and man will worship you we will proscenel you but in spirit and in truth Lord, Catalan burn us one more time. Catalan burn us, apprend us, libashana for that which we were apprehended for. Laba kata laba shedera baba mande kada barakata jida bobo kotande selelebo makapa papa laba shandelebo rakapapa libakata makata divine encounters alabakata. Divine visitations, oh God. Libra kapapando shadai. Mande ketele bobosa. Laba shande kalabrakata. Zida bas ketele bobo. Libro kokopo. Emmanuel, God with us. Dwelling with us. Just as it was in the beginning. So it shall be in the end. Lebo shanda baka and lerobokoto. Spirit of the living God. You who brood over us to bring us to a high order. Ekaila brata. Mande Katala Baba, O Kapando Shandelebo, have your way tonight, O God. Ladabasha, have your way, have your way. Lebra Kata, move us. Lebo Shandelebo, move us. We don't want goose pimples anymore, O God. Rabasha Kata, open our eyes, open our spiritual eyes, that may we see the one that we worship, the one we adore, the darling of heaven. Le Kaila Bashata Palebro. For this is why we were created. For there is two members that war within us, oh God. Help us, oh God. As we align, as we align, we subject our will, our heart, our emotions. Come and take sit upon the front of our emotions our appetites our desires of God 
this is your temple. This is your tabernacle. Visit once more. La basha dwell. Oh, don't just visit. Dwell. Abide, oh God. Le baka bando shkata. Le da basela bakata. Makando shadada. Ready your army. Ready your army, oh God. Made kobalo brada satai. Le brakata papapa. We thank you for solo scriptura. Mande kata. But you are doing a new thing. Behold, do you not see it? Le kabale brakata. For we we worship your God. We search your scriptures. We search the scriptures. Le bakabaraba shanda kadaba baba. For your word is spirit and life. Le bakabala bashanderebo. Mande kapile brokoto. Rada babande kete. Use our tongues. Use our tongues for battle and our lips for war. Use our tongues for battle and our lips for war. Use our tongues like the pen of a ready writer. Lebra, write your laws upon the tablets of our hearts. Lebra, shandenebo. For we need to ascend. We need to ascend to your hill. We need to ascend to Zion. Ah, yakabando kotalaba shandanaba. Ah, we need for your heart. We need clean hands. Lebra, shandanaba. Lebra, Katababa, we will not trample your courts, oh God. Leba Shaka, we will not trample your courts. Leba Katando Koko, we have come, oh God, for a garment of praise, a garment of righteousness. Legadababa, give us the oil of intercession, uh, give us oil of gladness. We have come to the well of salvation. We come to the well. We come to dip our bucket in the well of joy. Makapos, in your word says, in the presence of the Lord, Ekabai Lebrakapando Ika is joy forevermore. We stand on your word, for it is yea and amen. The promises of God. You are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. Oh God, what is a man? What is a man that you mande sedaba lebrata pokota zida babando shatai lebrakata oh baba lebrakatonde shai lebrakatai 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 rebada bobobo salabokota mande ketete lebro makaba lebrata what is man that you care for him that you care for him and that you visit him abba mande kadaba sele devosha mande kadaba Ba, 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 ba. You have a kingdom culture. You have a prayer culture. Alaba na yatzaras. Now form us. Come upon us. Hey, come upon us like potter. Ah, uh, upon the mortar. Mold us. Mold this generation. Leda ba shada ba 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 ba. Sete de leboko tande leboka. Rada ba ikadabando shande de lebo. Abaka ba ba. Our hearts cry. Oh God is ah. Ah, reveal the will of the Father. Reveal Jesus, the darling of heaven. Reveal, oh God. Reveal, reveal your will. Let us be one with you. One spirit. Ah, shakando kadai libra ikamando skatande shadai. Oh, sida bash kapaila baba baba da basikala brukotande shai ikaila bratosama libra kapa papa shakapande kedabando katapa labra ikada basala brakato shadai 
Yadai Librotomando Shkabala Brikato Sigadaba Kapando Shada. For in this season it will be like no other. We will worship, you will know our God. Le Kapapapalo Bokomandish Kata. Le, we will conoin it with your God. Libra Kata, Libro Omakata. For you have determined it. Ah, for it was your goodwill. Mande Kabado Kumala Brakatando Shata. For it was your goodwill. You predestined us. Ah, uh, you predestined us, O oh Lord. Abashakada by Libradoskata. In Jesus' name. Eshanamandolata. Sharamandolata. Shalamayaka Tilebolande Kadadola. Yako salabade yatonande emananado shadade ibaratuge kandala marade shananola ai komande shabola ze kabola mai katola jelebele ketila bradondala bahasiketede Zedinda Rabahaduria Katabahadela Jabredo Zigadabon Derikata Izatabalado Lekrado Menendo Ribarahadi Reketebrai Katumanza Vreketede Lord, we need you. We are not ashamed. To declare our insufficiency. If you don't come, we won't move. How shall it be known that we are any different from any other people on the surface of the earth if we have found grace in your sight? Then let your presence go with us and give us rest in this season. Let your presence go with us and give us rest. Ali, Ali Amanuna Kasavina. Tonight, before we open your word, we ask this case be settled in the courtroom of the spirit in the council of elohim let the right hand of the lord be stretched with his scepter in our direction go with us fight for us Establish your dominion in, through, and for us. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We, we give you praise. Jalaburia kanamahasikete. 
we give you worship thank you for your goodness lord we belong to you hallelujah and father tonight as we go to the table of your word let there be no break in the traffic of the spirit tonight lord we appeal for angelic assistance yes we appeal for angelic assistance you know the threats you see the threats of Sennacherib sound your trumpet of war defend your covenant with us do exceedingly and abundantly far above all we could ask or think or imagine according to the power that you will activate from within us we give you thanks and we give you praise in the name of jesus we give you thanks and we give you praise in the name of jesus Thank you. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Messiah. Thank you for victory. Thank you for victory. Oh, yes. Thank you for victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Exceedingly, abundantly, far above all we could ever ask or imagine to think. For there will be a new dimension released of the power that worketh within us thine the glory thine the honor thine the power thine the glory thine the honor and the power now and forever we belong to you. Thank you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Alrighty. Take the keys way down. Welcome to the quorum tonight, everybody. Um, in case you're wondering what all the fuss is about, um, um, further down a little bit with the keys. Um, so we we started praying here in the studio at six thirty. Um, um, mm. Help me, Holy Spirit. Um, how do I frame this? So let's just say that it came to my attention in the spirit realm over the last few days, especially this morning. Um, I woke up this morning into a very extended uh, revelation with God. And let us just say that, and no, no cause for alarm, that the enemy has declared war. Um, the enemy has declared war. And while that is a good thing, it means that there is something to declare war on. Uh, the people of God must respond accordingly. Somebody say accordingly. accordingly. Keys are still too high. Just take them way, way, way down. If I just take them off completely, just take them off completely. Um, now, I, I am not at liberty to go into the entire details of what I saw and heard. Um, and frankly speaking, we wouldn't have enough time tonight, even if I wanted to. But let it just suffice to say that it has sufficiently disturbed me that I am calling for a state of emergency in the prayer code of our house. And when I say house, that goes beyond kingdom culture worship assembly. It goes to everything we're connected to, the entire kingdom culture movement, wider family, including prayer culture. Um, there are times in the realm of the natural where a, a president, a prime minister, a national ruler will call for a state of emergency uh, and that will supersede regular scheduled programming in the affairs of that nation. It will affect the police, it will affect even things, the, the military, but even things like the rationing of resources and, and normal everyday life. Um, if, you, if you believe and honor this uh, man as any form of God's voice, with you or to you, that I'm asking you to please believe me on this. Um, like I said, I, I don't have the energy, the time, or even the emotional capacity to explain everything that I saw. But there is war in the heavens on three levels. There is war concerning the will of God as a whole across the earth. There is war concerning two particular nations that I am responsible for uh, as a shepherd, those being 
the nations of the United Kingdom and the nation of Nigeria. But hear me, kingdom culture, there is also war concerning us. I repeat, there is an intensification of the universal conflict in the heavens concerning the will of God in this season. It has just gone up another notch. The enemy has just upgraded his hand. Secondly, the contest for the destiny of both the nations of the United Kingdom and Nigeria have shifted to another level. And thirdly, and I please hear me clearly when I say this, there is a season of contention for our house, kingdom culture. And so we must respond accordingly. There are beasts in the spirit realm who have been wounded and are now thrashing around violently. And if you know anything about an animal, they are at their most dangerous when wounded. There are entities that are perplexed and vexed because they now know that their time, if God's agenda carries through, is short. And that the Bible speaks of the serpent in the book of Revelation. It says he has come down with great wrath because he knows his time is short. There is a fury that has been incited in the realm of the spirit. I repeat, on one level, it's universally against the will of God. If you're a Christian and a believer anywhere in the world, there's a portion of this that's for you. Secondly, particularly over the destiny of two nations, the United Kingdom and Nigeria. And you know, I've been sounding the alarm about the UK now for almost two months. from before the prime ministerial election or selection process. But hear me by the spirit, kingdom culture, the enemy has singled us out specifically for attention. And we must respond accordingly. Somebody say accordingly. And so this, see this as the announcement of a wartime, quote unquote, president. I apologize if it doesn't follow cadence. I apologize if it doesn't follow practice. And I apologize if you think it's a bit too much. I'm just telling you what me and my boss have discussed. We are going to, well, Tony, I need to apologize. Some people sometimes don't take these things so nicely. Every day moving forward till the end of it is written, we will begin half an hour early with prayer. We will be praying in the spirit and sometimes if God gives understanding in language for at least half an hour from 6.30 to 7 p.m. UK time. If you need to come in at seven, that's fine. If you can make the time to come in at 6.30 to stand in the gap, please, we need every voice and every hand. Secondly, at some point over the next week, um, we will 
I will need to take time to consult with our leaders and the relevant people. But at some point between now and the end of next week, we are going to go, in addition to 7 p.m., on a marathon press campaign. We're going to be praying at 11 p.m. UK time every night for at least 90 minutes. At some point over the next two weeks, we will begin, between now and the next day, we will begin. And it will go for at least seven days. And if you wonder where that came from, let me explain. It was because in the prophetic revelation I had this morning, I was specifically instructed, right? So God said, you know how, how on, in often I use that phrase, right? The Lord said to me, we need a seven-day prayer campaign, right? Thirdly, if you are not taking this fasting season serious, if you've been munching on your muffins here and there, you might want to put them away now. If there was ever a time in this period where it calls for a knuckling down in the trenches, it would be starting from now. And we will see what else the Lord will say as we begin to press into him. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Now, on a much lighter note or, or a nicer note, God doesn't bother revealing the agenda of hell just to prepare us to live in fear. If heaven saw it fit to circumnavigate this by prophetic intelligence, it must mean that there is something heaven would have us do. It also means that we are close to something. Does that make sense? Yes, and this is true again, universally for the will of God, specifically for the nations of Kenya, uh, sorry, Nigeria and United Kingdom, and also more specifically for those of us who in any way, shape or form are connected or affiliated to kingdom culture movement. And that includes our partners, the members of the apostolic hubs that we're part of and all that stuff. Alrighty. <coughs> the Bible says if a watchman sees the sword coming, and he does not cry, then what happens? Blood will be on his head, right? But if he sees it coming and he cries, what then happens? Everybody's blood, God forbid that there's any blood, becomes on individual heads. Let it be on record that this watchman did cry. Amen? Amen. Let's get to the word of the Lord tonight. Tonight we're going to move now. Like I said last week, you'll notice that there are some nights in this journey where we just seamlessly move from one night to the other, where it's like the next night is the, it starts on the exact same spot as the previous night. And then you will notice that there's some nights where there seems to be a jump. Tonight will be one of those nights. Like I explained, if we, if we broke down every single thing, we'd be teaching this for five years and maybe more. Like I told you, as at... Day, as at day eight, night eight, I could have taught the first seven nights for a whole year if we went through every single Bible scripture that was relevant. And so I'm hoping that you are burying Christians, that you are taking the time to go and dig into this in your own scriptures studies, and that you are speaking with the Holy Spirit and doing your follow-up and when necessary, asking questions. You will notice that uh, we had to cancel the 3 p.m. Uh, Instagram live that was scheduled for today. One of the reasons was because of what I just shared with you. So the dealings I had with God this morning, it, it, it very clearly was not the time to get on social media based on what I was saying. 
But every Tuesday, and sometimes more than just Tuesdays, I'll be on Instagram Live answering the questions, so keep sending them in, the ones that I believe need to be answered specifically, especially that way. But make sure that you are tracking, that you are not just following for entertainment purpose. Now come with me tonight. Someone say tonight. tonight. We're dealing with the concept of flesh. Someone say flesh. Or better yet, the flesh. Someone say the flesh. We are dealing with the concept of what? The flesh. Now, it follows on from yesterday where we dealt with understanding the soul. But I believe we, I was going to come back and almost tidy that up. But as I was traveling down to the embassy today, I felt strongly my spirit Lord was saying, just jump over to this. Uh, and this is very important. This is literally... The, tonight, what we deal with, I told you that by the time we were done with this week, this next couple of days from yesterday, you'd be able to talk to God. But I told you two days ago that by the end of tonight, you would be able to have a viable relationship with God based alone on all we would have taught over the last 14 days. Well, that's why we have to get here tonight. Because this is the final circuit breaker in the circuit of many of us. And it's the word, the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come tonight and settle? Come and settle tonight, Lord. Jesus, come and settle. And bring the spirit of truth, wisdom, and understanding. Give us the ear and the tongue of the learned that we may strip back this pantomime villain. Leave the emperor naked without his clothes, and that the people of God may press into the fullness of the riches of koinonia with you that you have desired. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty, so come with me to Genesis chapter 2. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, specifically from verse 7. Yes, Lord. Genesis chapter 7. So chapter 2, sorry, verse 7. My bad. I apologize. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Help us, Jesus, tonight. And again, I'm going to do my best to go slow. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. We had already established from Genesis chapter 1, two nights ago, that God created man in Genesis chapter 1. The word there is the word what? Bara. <clears throat> it means to do something from something invisible. No physical raw material. And the Bible says he created man. So whatever he created in Genesis 1, the Bible refers to as man. We established that. Then we went further to establish the fact that in Genesis chapter 2 here, it says he formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils 
the breath of life. In essence, what God formed in Genesis chapter 2 could not have been what he created in Genesis chapter 1 because the raw materials were different and the words bara in Genesis 1 and yatsar in Genesis 2 are also different. We established that, didn't we? We then looked at the insidious or nefarious word became, which means that both, since it says man became, it therefore is talking about what was created in chapter one and what was formed in chapter two, both referred to as man, and there became an almost reductional activity where man now could be almost completely represented by the third component called the soul. And that the soul is a hybrid creature of two worlds. It is formed by the, or it was instigated, its occurrence was instigated by the adding of what was barad in chapter one and yatsad in chapter two. We then took the whole of la yesterday, last night, to break down how this thing works and how it affects our relationship with God. We established that when God deals with man, he deals spirit to spirit. But when man wants to deal with God, that dealing must pass through the soul. And I think we made the case beyond dispute last night. Right? Okay. So remember, man became. Man did what became. And then I kind of cheated by jumping, I, I like to do this most nights, where I will end the night by saying something that's supposed to be from the next day's study, about the fact that the fall of Eve, man, firstly Eve, then Adam, first occurred in the soul. Before she stretched forth her hand, the Bible explains how the devil challenged the soul we explained being this, almost like a mega computer that is designed to obsess my soul doth magnify. The soul will magnify something. It's designed to wrap itself completely around something. And it doesn't matter what the thing is, but it will find something to wrap itself around. Are you listening to me? And the fact that what it wraps itself around would determine the logic or the, or the computer language that is installed in its software. And it will then, over time, continually regurgitate the natural overflow, whatever that software is. And that's why the Bible says we must renew our minds. The mind being one of the components of the soul. The mind, the will, the emotions. And then the two ancillary components, which literally are, I call them ancillary because these two things are a product of the other three. So your memories, past, and your imagination, future, are born of the three components. The mind, the will, and the soul. So some people argue it's three. Some people argue it's five. I agree with both. Your mind, will, and emotions are the primary components of your soul. The three of them combining with each other, two or more at a time combining, will produce your memories. And notice I say your memories because have you noticed that your memory of one event can be completely different from yours? Two people can ex ex experience the exact same event and have two almost completely different memories because we have two completely different souls. So even objective reality is filtered and processed differently based on how your soul has been coded. Does that make sense? You can be sat side by side and one person walks past two different people and doesn't say hello. 
And one person says, boy, she must be having a bad day. I hope she's okay. The other person says, what a nasty piece of work she is. Is it because I'm so-and-so? She doesn't think I'm worth her hello. Same person did the same thing because the two people have had two completely different programs in their soul. One person has been programmed for self-value and self-worth and probably has more important things on their mind anyway. Has been programmed by the Bible says love believes all things. And the other one has probably been programmed by rejection and offense and pain and bitterness and self-deprecation. And so the memory or the imagination. Two people can think about the exact same event, same exam tomorrow. And one person thinks, I finally get to be promoted. The other person thinks, oh boy, I'm going to have to do a reset. But now I want to show you this thing called the flesh. Grab a seat if you're not sat down, wherever you are, unless you're working on your feet. Because you may realize that you have been maybe inadvertently or unintentionally lied to. I'm sure at least half of you will leave tonight thinking, boy, I really was not taught correctly what the flesh was. This is the conventional thinking about the flesh. For the average believer, they have been taught that the flesh is the part of you that is under the control of the devil or the power of sin. And that is partially true. It is not completely true. Remember I told you something can be completely true in and of itself and not the complete truth. This is the one perfect example. The definition of the flesh as a component of a human, of the human soul or mind or will or emotions, so the soul, that is under the control, meaning it's a part of you that is evil. That's what we've been taught, right? It's that evil part of you that just is rebellious to God. That is completely true as an isolated point. But it is a fragment of the complete truth. And if you don't understand the full context of the truth, you will wrestle unsuccessfully with this enemy called the flesh. So, um, if you type the word flesh into the Blue Letter Study Bible, Chrissy, let's go there, you will find that it occurs 420 times in 369 verses in the KJV. For the sake of time tonight, just for the sake of time tonight, I'm going to ignore every single occurrence in the Old Testament. Usually that would be a fool's errand, but I want to show you that you can actually, for those of you who believe all the Old Testament, so for sake of time and brevity, I'm going to focus on making the case tonight exclusively from the New Testament. And there are a few reasons why. One is there is far more than three strands. Remember the, the, the rule of theology? You can't establish a doctrine with, without a minimum of two scriptures. And for completeness, we really want three. No scriptures or private interpretation. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter is confirmed. So there, is, there are several incidents or several occurrences in the New Testament. Secondly, what we will mine from the New Testament 
if you study on your own, you realize does not contradict the old. The old actually is in very, very good alignment with this. But number three, the understanding of the average believer about the flesh and our war with it is entirely a product of the Pauline epistles. It was Paul who first told us, as we will see, that we have an enemy called the flesh. Jesus alluded to it in his ministry, but Paul was the one who literally said it in black and white. So who better to study than Paul and some of the scriptures about Jesus mentioned in the flesh or in the gospels to make the point? And finally, I don't want anybody telling me that anything I'm about to teach tonight is an Old Testament concept. Because this is one of the lies the enemy has told on the march towards koinonia and correct proskineo in spirit and truth. That an attempt to fight for alignment, recalibration, and consecration is an Old Testament doctrine. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a New Testament study tonight on the flesh. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Now, the first time the word flesh occurs in the New Testament is in the book of Luke chapter 24. No, 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 I'm wrong actually. No, that's not true. No, no, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. One second. I got that wrong. I know from, yeah, I know, I know from, yes. So the first time was in the book of Luke chapter 3. Remember, Luke is the only gospel writer. Actually, that's not true. Mark did too. But Luke is, of all the gospel writers, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, only two had direct dealings with Paul on a, on a ministerial basis. Those would be Mark and Luke. And of the two, only Luke was a member of Paul's inner circle. Are you with me? Only Luke is a member of Paul's inner circle. So... Again, sorry, error. The first time is Matthew chapter 19, but I'm going to come to Luke to make a point in a second. So the first time we see Ma uh, the word flesh mentioned is in Matthew 16, sorry, not 19, 16. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So the first time the word flesh is mentioned in the New Testament, Jesus uses the word. Now, remember the law first mentioned, you must understand a concept from the foundation of the first time it presents itself in Scripture. Especially if that is the first chronological time in Scripture it presents itself. Now, the word flesh is used in the Hebrew several times before, but in the, in the Greek, the first time it's mentioned in the Greek in the Bible, language of the New Testament, Jesus uses it. And you will notice that he is, quote-unquote, not directly attacking it. Can you see? He simply says to Peter, he's asked the disciples, who do men say I am? He's asking them his version of the question, what is God and who is God? I am the expression of God, right? I'm the express image of God, Paul tells us. Christ is, so he's basically asking the disciples, have you attended kingdom cultures? It is written for today, I'm only joking, for today Bible study. If you have, what is God? Who is God, a.k.a. me? The disciples say, well, 
other people say you are this that that and this in essence they are seeing glimpses of his old testament prophetic manifestations he then says who do you say i am and notice there is a silence there is the silence of ignorance the same silence i would suggest would occur if christ showed up in the body of christ today and asked the same question and then suddenly peter stands up and says you are the christ the messiah you are the anointed one the son the representation the offspring of the living god jesus then looks at him and responds matthew 16 simon bar jonah simon son of jonah you are blessed someone say you are blessed now notice he didn't say i bless you he says you are meaning to have had the answer is proof that you were blessed but i don't have time tonight that one just to just write in write this down that one of the products of the blessing of god is divine insight and revelation one of the hallmarks of a blessed person man or woman is that there are things they have insight into and access to that others don't in essence if you consistently walk your life bumping into brick walls without any supernatural revelation insight warning of any sort intelligence you might not be so blessed it also says that when, or it also should say to you that when you pray and ask God to bless you, right? One of the ways he will answer to the prayer for a blessing is by insight. Many of you are waiting for a physical blessing to land on your doorstep. God bless me with a house. And then you're waiting for a literal house to walk to your front yard of your rented property. Mm -mm. God will many times respond with a blessing via communication. Someone say communication. Are you with me? He says then, flesh and blood have not revealed, meaning you did not get this insight from flesh and blood. Remember Leviticus, we looked at this in the quorum. Because of time tonight, I'm not gonna, because if I, if I open that verse, we'll be there for an hour. The life of the creature is in the what? The blood. What was the word life? Nefesh. So the soul of, or the, the reality, sorry, sorry, sorry the, 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 the dimension of, of of experience reality of every entity is different and the bible says for earthly creatures it's a component of the blood that's why gene genetic issues follow bloodlines and not just sickness or disease mindsets patterns behavioral procedures that's why god said to or about the levites that that, that Levi paid tithe 
in his great in his grand no great grandfather Abraham even when his dad had not even been born in fact his granddad Isaac was not born when Abraham prayed the tithe to Melchizedek but because Levi came from his loins from his bloodline God says see so the Bible teaches a form please don't don't misquote me don't don't take a clip and put me in trouble online but the Bible seems to be suggesting a form of pre-incarnation not the nonsense we teach that you were told before in a previous life, but the fact so pre-incarnation is wrong. I take that back. Not pre-incarnation, pre-existence. In essence, when someone does something, everything that was in his loins or in his blood at that time in the courtroom of the spirit is seen to have done it. That's why God can visit iniquity on the third and fourth generation he didn't say he's visiting the 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 punishment for iniquity he's visiting the iniquity in essence if dad had a weakness in his flesh without the grace of god and the covenant of salvation you can expect that weakness to find itself through three or four generations if dad was a drunkard son's a drunkard grandson's a drunkard until somebody breaks the circuit in the spirit are you following me so far? And so, flesh and blood, Jesus is saying to Peter, there are two elements here that could potentially have taught you this other than God. What is God? Spirit. So, if this did not come from your spirit, he's saying, there are two other elements that could have combined to give you an information. In essence, when you open your mouth remember i told you yesterday we saw from the bible that the bible says there is a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives him understanding so God, jesus is showing us here that there is another source of understanding oh i i help me Ooh, i'm trying to be quick but let's go there let's go there i'm trying to be quick but but I, I I need you to see this. Come with me to the book of James, chapter three, just to see this in literal action. Then we'll come back to Matthew, James chapter three. Ooh, and I believe we're going to verse uh, sixteen thereabouts. James chapter three, verse. <sighs> Okay, uh, let's go to verse. Let's start from verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? In a sense, who has understanding, right? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with the meekness of wisdom. In simple English, let we will know the fact that you have understanding doesn't mean anything. Keep talking and keep living your life and we will eventually see where that wisdom is coming from. That's what James 3.13 is saying. I believe the Old Testament version says, no, no, actually, the New Testament says, wisdom is justified of her children, meaning what she produces. So we know where a wisdom came from 
by what it pushes you to say and how it pushes you to act. Does that make sense? Revelation by itself is not a sign that it came from God. Are you listening to me? Intelligence, oratory, umakatia, especially intellect. The Bible is saying, don't clap because somebody has revelation or wisdom. Let them keep talking over time and keep walking, living, and we will see, right? They will prove, they will show us the meekness or lack thereof of their wisdom. Let's keep going, Chrissy. It then says, if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, don't glory. Don't lie against the truth. This wisdom, someone say this wisdom. So there is, this is one type of wisdom now. Descended not from above. Now, if you understand the writings of Paul and Jesus, Jesus' words, this should make perfect sense. What you and I call being born again, the book of John chapter 3 calls being born from above. And then he goes further to say being born of the water and the spirit. Does that make sense? Every good and perfect gift, Paul says, comes from the father of light in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. It's not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So, the, the inspiration that brings understanding can come from a source that is sensual, earthly, and devilish. It then says, where there is envy and strife, there is confusion every evil work. Verse 17 then says, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be reasoned with and treated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Two different types of wisdom. And we see their source not by the content of the wisdom, but by the effect that the wisdom has when it is applied. Does that make sense? Now, you might want to apply this to our generation where there are so many voices on the pulpit, all of us claiming to speak for God. Don't clap because we use Hebrew and Greek, me included. Don't be bamboozled by our quote-unquote spiritual insight. Observe our speech and our lives off the pulpit. And when you apply what we teach, do you see envy, strife, sensual, carnal reality? In essence, I'll give you a perfect example. The church started teaching 60, 70 years ago that Mammon was the real God. We didn't say it, we just taught it under the guise of the broken prosperity gospel. We, we raised a generation of Christians to judge spirituality by financial gain. And now the world around us 
is electing leaders purely based on what the leaders promised they would do financially. In the United Kingdom, for instance, where did that leave us in the last few weeks? See what I'm saying? Let it, let it stretch out. But you see here clearly that there can be quote-unquote wisdom from more than one source. So Jesus is saying, Simon, there are things that flesh and blood can reveal to you. Blood, blood is literally talking about quote-unquote the nefesh. But let's look at that word flesh, shall we? Are you interested? Let's look at the word flesh. Every, now, almost with, with I think three or four exceptions, every time the word flesh is used in the King James Bible, in the New Testament, in Greek, this is the word with three or four exceptions. And those exceptions refer to eating meat, usually. Does that make sense? So the few times the word flesh is used, that it's not this word, it's referring to eating flesh. When the Bible says, you know, Paul's talking about his rules or lack of rules for eating, the word flesh is different because now it's talking about the meat of an animal to consume. But almost every other time it's this word, and this is what the word is, sark. Someone say sarks. Now notice how it's translated in the Bible. 147 times as flesh, two times as carnal, one time as carnally minded, when it is another word is attached with the minded, and one time as fleshly. Its definition, flesh, the soft substance of the living body which covers the bones and is permeated with blood of both man and beast. Notice is permeated with blood. That in itself is a prophetic metaphor. But in essence, we're talking now about the physical human skin, right? Okay. The body of a man used of natural or physical origin, listen, generation or relationship. But the C part is where I want us to look at. This is why Paul and Jesus both used the word flesh as a metaphor for what we're going to talk about for the rest of the day. Because the same way your physical flesh, right, is your body that houses your blood, does that make sense? that is a carrier of your falling nefesh, Paul and Jesus are both making the metaphor that this entity they're talking about, which is the C definition, is the spiritual un unseen equivalent of what your physical flesh is in the natural. The sensuous nature of man, in inverted commas, the animal nature, now, number one should scare you without any suggestion of depravity. Can you see that? In essence, your flesh is not necessarily the bad part of you. No. I'm about to show you that in a second. It's simply just, remember I told you that one third of your nature, the body, is the same was made the same way as the bodies of the animals, and that without the spirit and the soul of man, just the man's body is no different from an animal's body, meaning that our tendencies on some level can be extremely similar. That's what this is saying here. Now look at number four. The flesh denotes mere human nature. 
the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed by God. Are you still with me, somebody? Preacher, what are you saying in English? Well, I'm glad you asked, Tony. Is that this definition isn't talking about a part of you that is evil. It is talking about a part of you that is simply disconnected from the spirit of God and therefore is prone to evil. Are you with me so far? So don't blame your issues on your flesh by saying, yeah, there's just this evil part of me. No, that's the sin nature. That's sin. The Bible talks about sin and the flesh is different. Paul says, sin revived in me and I died. Your flesh is not the sin nature now. Your flesh is simply your soul disconnected from the influence of God. That should scare you. Let me repeat. What you have been blaming for your problems because you thought there was this evil twin inside you. Remember? When you read Romans 7 and Romans 8, and Paul talks about how the flesh lost after the spirit. We, 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 oh, well, you know, there's just this part of me that when Adam fell, just became a monster. And, you know, I'm really a good person. But that's how we've taught it. You know, and there's a part of me that's really good. And there's another part of me that's just bad. No, sir. Mm -mm. The flesh is simply, I'll show you in a second, the human soul that is not ruled expressly by the spirit in essence there is no middle ground the soul without the governance of the spirit under the governance of the holy spirit is the flesh write that down the flesh is the soul devoid of the governance of god's spirit via man's spirit Sir, how, how, how can you arrive at that? I'm about to show you. But this should concern you. Because Jesus is saying, your flesh can give you revelation. Your, your ungoverned, you all acquired in the comment section tonight. Your ungoverned soul is capable of duplicating the same technology by which God connects with you. In essence, you don't need a demon to speak through your thoughts. Are you hearing me? Your, I'm not, I'm not saying your evil nature. No, see, no human being, quote unquote, has an evil nature. We have a weakness, an insufficiency. I'll show you in a second, an insufficiency. Our souls disconnected from the governance of God via our spirits by themselves become weak and susceptible to the nature of sin. And so there is no middle ground is what I'm trying to explain. Anything, any activity of the soul 
outside the express governance of the spirit is by itself flesh. And you will see that not every time the word socks or flesh is used in the New Testament, is it referring to something actively bad. Jesus simply said, flesh did not reveal that to you. He's not referring to flesh as actively evil. He's just saying, you could, and he goes on to say, but my father, which in essence, the only way, Peter, you could have had that insight was something higher than your soul by itself spoke it to you. But the same word Jesus uses in a seemingly innocent statement, flesh and blood, they not reveal it to you, is the same word Paul goes on to use as the enemy of God in your life. Let's jump. Oh, you guys are getting it now. Let's jump to the book of Romans, shall we? Let's go. Actually, you know what? Let, let's, one second, give me a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just follow this in this word study of flesh here. So, Let's go to Romans now. Let's see. So this is how the Blue Letter Bible works. If you go to the side panel here, once I've typed in the word flesh, uh, it'll show me every time it's used in every book of the Bible. Have I passed that? What's going on? Okay, let's try this again. If I type in flesh here, Tony, you're getting it, right? Okay. If I type in flesh here, It'll show me every time it appears. There we go. In every book of the Bible. So you see here. Let's go to Romans. We'll come back to Luke. I told you Luke is important. Let's go to Romans. Romans 1 verse 3 says, this is Paul writing. We believe. Christ was made of the seed of David according to the what? According to the what? According to the what? Is he calling David evil? What he's saying is, Christ, in essence, if you were to approach it from the flesh, Christ is a literal descendant of David. And notice, both Joseph and Mary are descendants of David. Which is important because we know Joseph has no DNA in Jesus. So if Jesus' only claim to being in David's lineage was Joseph, he would be a bastard from being the son of David. If you study the genealogy, Mary is also a descendant of the tribe of Judah and of David. And that's why there's two different genealogies in the Bible. One in Matthew, the other one, is it Luke or John now? And they, pun. Okay, and they trace, if you notice, at some point, they are the same up until a point, and then they diverge. The reason they are diverging is, one is going through Mary, one is going through Jesus. That's why the Bible says in one of them, as Jesus, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Meaning, the human beings on the earth thought he was the son of Joseph, but he's really not. But he's still the son of David through Maybe it's genealogy. Does that make sense? So, he's made of the seed of David according to the what? To the flesh. Meaning, naturally. It means, 
by the understanding of man, but also by the bloodline genealogy. It's the word sarks. Can you see it here? You see that it's been used in a non-violent form. It's not being portrayed here in a way that is evil. It's simply just saying by human understanding and of course by bloodline, he is a son or descendant of David. Same word, socks. G4561. Okay? Now, Paul begins, see, so you see across the book of Romans, Paul is turning the knife on this word. I don't know if he did this intentionally. The Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Paul may not have known what he was doing, but the Holy Spirit was batting a master. See, this is a master class. Uh, if this was a movie, it'd be a perfect plot line. This is the origin story of a villain. Every villain starts off as a child, doesn't they? Don't they? Talk to me, somebody. Thanos, right, was once an innocent child growing up on a world called Titan. And it wasn't until he realized that his planet was about to be destroyed because of overpopulation, he begins to descend. So Paul is either intentionally or unintentionally charting the descent of our understanding of our enemy. And he's saying, see, at its base, the flesh is simply just natural life. In chapter 2, he then says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward again in the flesh. So, circumcision in the physical body, with physical pain, right? Are you with me, somebody? Again is the word flesh. Then he turns the screw. This is the first, the first it's like a, a quantum leap. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, Romans 3.20, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Hmm. The question now becomes, Mandy, is he saying no physical body shall be justified in his sight? No, because we know that there are going to be some human beings who will be justified in God's sight. So this cannot be talking about the fact that if you have a physical body, like the first two, you can't be, no. He's, he's, he's shifted the metaphor deeper. He's now saying, we're not talking about the body as a, and you notice, when the Bible talks about the human body, sometimes, as a positive thing, as we'll see in a second, when it says sanctifies holy body, soul, and spirit, it doesn't use the word socks. When Romans 12 says to present our bodies a living sacrifice, right? You notice again, it's not using the word socks. We saw yesterday's the word soma. Because Paul has a very interesting meaning for this word. No flesh. So whatever this flesh is, cannot be just an inert body. It has to be something that God has a problem with that cannot be justified in his sight. Why? Colon. He goes on to explain why. There's a reason why flesh cannot be justified in God's sight. Colon. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So I say the knowledge of sin. So this 
flesh, whatever it is, has to be something that can engage in knowledge. In essence, it can't be justified in God's sight because this thing is the thing that engages the law. And in its attempt to... So when this flesh engages the law, right, the result is the knowledge of sin. Let's look at the word knowledge. Not insight now, but the word knowledge is the word epignosis. It's, this, it's the grandchild of gnosis. Gnosis is the father of ginosko. Gnosis simply means, basically, knowledge on a level. Ginosko means yada. It means intimate acquaintance with. And epignosis means a specific concrete, particular strain of experiential knowledge. In essence, when this flesh encounters the law, the product is that it is exposed to the frequency of sin. This is what happened to Eve in the garden. However, the Bible tells us that the law of God converts the mind. We looked at that yesterday, didn't we? That the law is designed to convert Okay, let's go back there. Let's go back there. I'm, I'm trying to be quick, but I don't want to leave anybody behind. Oh, Bahadi. Psalm 19 verse 7. Just write it down for sake of time. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So, the job of the law is to grab a hold of your soul. We talked about that yesterday, didn't we? And convert it to God's side. However, this thing called the flesh, when it encounters that law, it doesn't get converted. Actually, the flesh encountering the law makes it a slave to the epignosis of sin. That's why when you tell a child, don't touch that, you come back five minutes, then what has the child done? Why? Because it is the soul without the governance of the spirit. In essence, until you get saved and there is the indwelling spirit of God in you, inspiring through your spirit to control your soul, any connection with law will only result in sin. This is what Paul means in Romans 7 when he says, I was alive without the commandment once, but when the commandment came, sin revived in me and I died. In essence, the soul by itself, exposed to rules and instructions, will only produce... Do you understand the significance of what this is saying? What the Bible means when it says, in me is no good thing. When you hear a man, some of you prayed with me before, and you probably wonder, who, who did this man steal from? Is he committing fornication? No, I'm not. When you hear a man saying, God, have mercy on me. For, you know, help my insufficiency. You're listening to a man, listen, listen, listen. You're listening to a man who's walked with God long enough to understand that minus the spirit 
I don't need to be evil. I don't need to want to be evil. If you remove the governance of the spirit of God through my spirit, my soul was designed to tend towards depravity. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? So this flesh, when it comes into contact with the law, naturally produces the experience, the, the particular specific experience of sin. Sin becomes a reality. Sin is literally born in this being or this entity every time it's exposed to the law. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Romans 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh? Again, as pertaining to the flesh. That is a completely different sermon. Read Romans chapter 4. I don't have time. But remember, when you read Romans chapter 4, because I hear people preaching about what has Abraham found, and they delete the part of pertaining to the flesh. Paul is asking a very specific question. He's literally saying, if you deduced it solely in the flesh and solely according to natural order, what did he find? Should we, should we, should we just dive into this real quick? Because verse 2 then says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he has were of nothing, or he had whereof to glory, but not before God. Verse 1 and verse 2 are linked. People say, oh, you know, what Abraham found was, what did Abraham find? They say what he found was, was faith and a covenant. True. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's actually saying, if you look at it from the language of the flesh, what did he find? The answer is, nothing of value. Does that make sense? That's why it says, if he were justified by works. If he were justified by exercising his will outside the governance of the spirit of God, there would be nothing of value for him before God. Okay, let, let's, let's go back because I, I, I don't want to get sidetracked with that. Now, verse Romans 6, 19. I speak after the manner of men, listen, because of the infirmity. Now, we're getting close. The what? So there is a natural infirmity that exists in this thing called the flesh. Look at the word infirmity. It's the word asthenia. What does asthenia mean? The lack of strength, weakness, frailty, feebleness, the want of strength of the soul now, the want of strength and capacity requisite to, one, understand the thing, two, do things great and glorious, three, restrain corrupt desires, and four, to bear trials and tribulations. In essence, your soul's natural weakness and inability to comprehend the things of God, to do great things in glory, to stop itself from corrupt desires, and to bear trials and troubles. In essence, the flesh, what is the flesh? The soul, not, this, not a part of the soul, 
the entire soul devoid of the governance of the spirit of God via the human spirit is the flesh. It's not a portion of your soul. Your flesh is simply your soul when God is not driving the bus. That's it. And notice, it's not a bad thing by itself. It's not that the flesh wants to be bad. It's that minus God, it has a weakness. The Bible says here, an infirmity. Colon, meaning, let's explain the infirmity. For as you have yielded your members as servants to iniquity, unto iniquity. Pause. So, the flesh is simply your soul. But because it is devoid of the governance of God's spirit through your spirit, right? It, it, remember the soul is the what? The mind, the will, the emotions. The will, part of the soul, has no strength to stop the yield. Now, notice the word yielding. Let's look at that word yielding. Because it's a very interesting word. Notice it doesn't say give. It's the word paristemi. To place beside or near. To place a thing at one's disposal. To present a person for another one to see and question. To bring one or to bring into one's fellowship or intimacy. To show, to prove, to stand beside. To exhibit. Someone say yield. Notice it doesn't say give, it says offer. There's a difference. Where do we, where, where do we use that word in combat sport? Oh, sorry, I've, I've answered the question. Notice the word is used in combat sports to yield. The, the understanding here is that there is some pressure. In essence, this is not you waking up and saying, no, I know what I'm going to do today. I'm just really going to wake up and just find somebody to fornicate with. No, that's not what the Bible is talking about here. It's that there is a pressure. You are fighting something you lack the strength to combat and eventually you yield. To place near, it means you don't have the strength to create distance. There is an miracle you've come again. Yes, I'm going there, sir. Slow down. It means you are at the mercy of something you lack the capacity to resist. Now, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but notice it's the same language in Romans 19. Let's go back, Chrissy. It says the same way you should yield your members to righteousness unto holiness. It means, man, the true holiness is also a force. The same way sin comes to overpower you, there is a dimension of the grace of God which itself has the capacity to overpower you. And God is not asking you to be holy. He's simply saying, yield. Meaning, I will come with pressure. Don't fight. Surrender to the flood of my glory. Let's move. Romans 7 verse 5 gets hot now. For when we were in, ooh, but he's alive. So he can't be talking about the body, can he, Tony? He says, when we were in the flesh, 
But Paul writes this from the earth, doesn't he? So he's still physically in his human body, isn't he? So it is possible to be in the sarks and not be talking about your physical body. Comma, listen, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring fruit unto death. Now, pause. Where have we seen this in language before? They that worship God must worship him where? In spirit. Small s, not capital S. In the King James, right? Notice I told you Paul is batting a masterclass here. I don't know if it's intentional or the Spirit's just using him unintentionally. But the order of Romans is beautiful where this word is concerned. He goes from explaining it as just being a natural thing, meaning they, Jesus is the son of David according to the flesh. Then he begins to move into talking about it being a component of your soul that is yielding to certain things. He now says you can actually now be in the flesh. Remember, man became a living soul. Remember, man became. He did not develop a soul. He became, meaning we can now reduce the, the understanding of human behavior to the soul. So if the socks, as we've defined, is the whole soul simply detached from the express governance of God, What does it mean to be in the flesh? It simply means at that point, your reality, your mind, will, and emotions, anytime you are thinking, deciding, hear me, Christian, or feeling, because you say, I can't help the way I feel. I'll show you in a second you can. The Bible actually instructs you to choose your feelings. Hello. Whatever things are good, okay. Think on these. But anytime there is a decision, Tony, a thought, or a feeling that is embraced, notice I say embraced, because you can't, you can't, you don't choose the thoughts and feelings or decisions that present themselves to you sometimes, but you choose to embrace or reject them. That is embraced and processed, meaning acted on, you are at that point in the flesh. You don't, it, it doesn't need to be a sin according to the Ten Commandments. It doesn't need to have an evil motive it doesn't even need to be intentional. If there is a thought, emotion, or decision presented to you that emanated from an ungoverned moment in your soul, the moment you embrace it, you are now in. Notice, in. You have entered a realm called the flesh. You are now in a domain 
with its own rules and realities called the flesh. And the Bible says in that realm, the motions of sins by the law. Remember, every time you expose the flesh to the law, what do you get? The epignosis of sin. Remember? Talk to me, somebody. Remember? So, even if you are trying to live righteously, right? You've heard Rev preach about recalibration. You've heard this apostle and that prophet preach about alignment. You make up your mind, my skirt is going to be long. My top will be high. If I'm a man, I will button my shirt and not show my shirt hair. I won't listen to secular music. You know, what are the other rules we have? I won't smoke, I won't drink, I won't, I won't, I won't sleep around. But you permit and embrace the function of your soul. Your thinking, deciding, and feeling outside the express government of God's spirit. A thought crosses your mind that did not emanate from the inspiration of the spirit. An emotion enters your T, yes. An emotion enters your heart that did not emanate from the spirit. A decision. You choose a decision that you cannot trace the root of back to the influence of God through your spirit. The Bible says you are now in. Congratulations. You have a visa, a work permit, a naturalization certificate to dwell in the flesh. And as I, if we get there tomorrow, as I'll show you, this is simply anywhere outside the spirit. Remember on day two, we said that our spirit, the Elohim, the King Elohim says, if you're going to worship me, there are many Elohim seeking worship, remember? And if you're going to worship me, you must do it in spirit. Well, the definition of in the flesh is everywhere outside in spirit. Because the flesh is simply your soul. We dealt with yesterday that your soul is the component that is able to latch on to God. God, God breathes through your spirit, but when you want to connect with God, you have to exercise your soul. Well, your soul not governed at that point in time, expressly by the Holy Spirit through your spirit, is called your flesh. So, everywhere outside in the spirit is in the flesh. See, the, I, I wish I had a diagram. They are not two circles that are separate from each other. They're not even two circles at an intersection. They are two concentric circles. In the spirit is a smaller circle within a wider circle called in the flesh. The entirety of reality Anything that your soul, in essence, any activity of your soul. Listen, anything, your, anything that goes through the soul, 
through your mind, your will, your emotions, your memory, your imagination, your thinking, your feeling, your hoping, your dreaming, your feeling, the whole gamut, right? If it is controlled, in essence, remember yesterday, Job 32, there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him inspiration. If it did not come through the breath of the Almighty, and we'll see in a few days, that Jesus gives us a clue as to how to walk in the spirit. He says, the words that I speak are what? They are spirit and they are life. And he says in John, is it 14 or 15? He says, if you love me, right, you will obey my words. The Father and I will come and coordinate with you. He then says, he that abides in my words. So the, 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 a dimension of the breath of the Spirit is the writ of Scripture. In essence, anything that is not governed either by an instantaneous breath of the Spirit or by the coded or codified breath of the Spirit in Scripture. Because the Bible says Scripture was God-breathed, Spirit-inspired. Does that make sense now? So when I talk about how the Scripture was inspired by the Spirit, you now see why. So he can breathe to you in that moment. He'll never violate what he breathed in the Bible. Or he can refer you to what he breathed thousands of years ago that is still living in Scripture. And if you keep the function of your soul within those parameters, that is the spirit. God says, it is in that vicinity I will accept proskuneo and I will function in koinonia. Anything outside that is the flesh. No matter how nice it sounds. So for, now, I told you that things I see on social media that I shake my head and I see Christians say, it's the flesh. You know why? It's not in line with the breath of the Spirit. My favorite one is, choose those who choose you. Where do you see that in the Bible? Give me one Bible verse where the Bible says, choose those who choose you. Just give me one, just one. My Bible tells me to love those who hate me and pray for those who despisefully use me, those who gaslight me, those who manipulate me. Now, it doesn't say have dinner with them every day, but it says pray for them, love them. Are you hear me? It says don't answer evil with evil, but answer evil with good. It says, Peter said, Jesus, how many times can I forgive my brother? You know, of one offense. He says seven times seven, meaning my brother has done it 47 times. If he does it two more times, it'll be 49, then I can give it to him. Jesus says, no, 70 times 70. Peter's like, chai. That is an example of in the flesh versus in the spirit. And notice, Mandy, no human being can forgive another person for committing the same offense 490 times in a row without their soul being governed by his spirit. You cannot prosecute your life according to the dictates. See, first of all, if your spirit is not governed, if your, if your soul isn't governed by your spirit under the Holy Spirit's governance, the Holy Spirit will not be inspiring you 
there will be no breath of the Almighty inspiring you in the Spirit, first of all. So there will be no grace, in essence. You'll be left to engage the law. Does that make sense? So if, if there is no active connection with the Spirit of God, right, you will not have that inspiration that Job talks about. Like Mary, you will not first have rejoiced in the Spirit before your soul can magnify the Lord. So your soul will be attempting to magnify God without having rejoiced in the Spirit. We need, you need to listen to yesterday to understand that phrase. And therefore, when you engage God's law, it is not God your soul will be magnifying. Your soul will be magnifying the law itself. It's called religion. It's called, uh, what's the word I'm looking for now? It's called, help me out now, legalism. Where the law becomes the God, not the God who gave the law. And the Bible says when that kind of soul, because it is in the flesh, when that soul tries to connect with the law of God, so since you don't have the spirit of grace working through you to live out God's will, you're left with trying to fit your life within the codified law. Paul tells us that the law was not, or in the New Testament, he says to Timothy, he talks to Timothy about the rightful use of the law. He says that this rightful use of the law is not for a righteous man. In essence, the correct use of the law is not for somebody who in that moment is being governed by the Spirit. It's for the person who is in the flesh to see that this thing I'm being asked to do, I can't do it. That's the entire purpose of the law, Mandy. It's to show you how wrecked you are, how jacked up you are. The law, see, God says, I'm Maria Katababa. Says he says, mm. The law was designed according to the book of Hebrews to show you your infirmity. And every time you try to engage it without the influence of the governance of the spirit, it will produce the epic. You will, you will taste sin like Eve did at the tree. And in your inability to meet up to it, it will breed either one of two things, condemnation or conviction. Conviction sends you running back to God. Condemnation sends you running away from him. They both have the same father. It's called the flesh engaging the law. Let's keep going. Now me a mirror. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So in my flesh dwells no good thing. Oh, no, no, no. So said, said the motions of sin, which are by the law. Then verse 18, he then says, I know that in me, in bracket, that is, listen, in my flesh. Notice he says in me, then in bracket, meaning he's saying, Ungoverned by God, the entirety of me is jacked up. There's no good part and bad part, what I'm trying to say. So there's no part of my soul, because that's how we see, because the reason I'm going through Romans 7 is, when we get to Romans chapter 7, verse 25, we misunderstand this. Some of us have taught, and I think I once preached this about 16, 17 years ago. You know, that's why you shouldn't become influential too soon. You know, I hope that, that, that uh, recording isn't out there somewhere. Where I talked about how your soul, you know, this part, no, that's not correct. Your entire soul is your flesh, or your entire soul is in the spirit. There's no middle ground. I know that in me, in bracket, in my flesh, dwells no good thing, 
colon. This is, this is, you know, in my mother's language, they'll call it the cocoa of the oral. It means the, the heart of the matter. For to will, someone say to will, is present in me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. This is the plight of the flesh. To will, meaning I, I, I have the capacity to want to do something. But I lack the ability to follow through on it. Why? Because my soul has been detached. So you see that when Adam fell, Adam's soul did not need to get, quote unquote, corrupted. It just simply needed to be cut off from the governance of God via his spirit. The very act of severing the tie, the governing tie between soul and spirit, that very act, shamakina hatina mahadi, that very act, confined the soul to a state of infirmity called being in the flesh. Then the famous one, Romans 7.25, says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Listen, I myself serve the law of God with the mind. Notice the word mind is a different word. It's suke, right? In essence, listen to me. Let's look at this language. Let's look at this, this, this verse in the Greek. Let's look at this verse in the Greek. Come with me. I thank God, Eucharisto Theos, Diaisos, through Jesus, Christos, Jesus Christ, Hemon Kyrios, our Lord. So then, Araun, with ho, the mind, so, so noos, no, sorry, not seeking, noos. We looked at this a few days ago, right? Means my, okay, that's, for those of you who weren't there a few, was it three days ago? So let's go through real quick. Noos literally means the mind comprising the faculties of perceiving, understanding, feeling, judging, and determining, in essence, the soul. Because we see the three components there. Feeling, emotions, judging, thinking, mind, determining will, right? In essence, the soul. Okay, cool. So, let's keep moving. Ego. Someone say I. Now, we talk about ego as pride. That's not the classical meaning. Anybody who studied uh, psychology would tell you that the real, the, the actual word ego doesn't mean pride per se. It means the sense of your reality. We've just used it to explain pride when your ego quote and goes out of control. But now, ego, right, I, means me. Someone say me. It means my sense of reality. Now, who is the me? Who is the me? Because what ego, to a Greek speaker, simply means the, the, in, the composition of who I am. Who is the me? Notice he says, with the mind. I serve with the mind, I, with a part of me, the whole of me. Are you following me so far? He's saying that 
I, ego, meaning all that, what ego literally means in psychology, everything that comprises my sense of reality. Well, what is all of me? Who remembers, what is man? What is man? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians, shall we? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, remember? You, you see how you have to study the Bible properly. See why you can't just jump into a few scriptures, call yourself a preacher, and then go and destroy the world? Listen, 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 listen. Listen to me, listen, listen, listen to me. In my opinion, other than leading someone to Christ or personal discipleship, meaning you're, you're more mature, in fact, you can't even be a personal disciple if you're a brand new Christian. So in essence, other than leading someone to Christ, before you attempt to become a disciple of men, you might want to read your Bible at least twice from cover to cover. Can we, can we, can we establish that as a rule in our generation? Before we give people microphones, can we find out if they've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation at least two times? Because we all agree that the first time you read something, you miss a lot out, don't you? Because the entire thing is intertwined. You see how this works? Okay, First Thessalonians chapter 5. I just thought I'd put that out there. I don't, I don't expect many people to accept my advice, but let it be on record I gave it, that we stop giving people platforms who cannot connect scripture across its entire length and breadth and come up with horrible perversions of doctrine that destroy lives. First Thessalonians chapter 5:23, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Somebody say holy. Semicolon. And I pray, God, your whole, your whole. Now, if you look at this in the Greek correctly, there's literally supposed to be a colon there. I pray God your whole. You don't believe me. Oh, you're twisting the Bible. Let's look at it. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Okay, so forward interlinear. Let's read it the way it was written in Greek, right? Otos de hotheos and God, right? So you notice that and God or and the God, because whole means the. Whole Irene of, of peace, Hegiazo sanctify, Hemus, you. Holy, what's holy? Holotelis. Kai and Holocleros, your spirit. Pause. Let's look at the words Holotelis and Holocleros. Holotelis means perfect, complete in all respects. Absolutely perfect. Someone say quality. Someone say quality. quality. Now let's look at holocleros. Right? What's holocleros? Complete in all its parts. Nothing missing. You see the difference? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. One is saying holy in essence Everything is at its correct quality. 
That's Holotelis. Holocleros is saying, nothing is missing that should be there. And then, after the word holocleros, is it when it begins to say spiritual and body. Listen, it's not talking about your whole spirit, meaning God can sanctify half of your spirit. You see how we get this? You see, you see what I mean by how we get this disturbing doctrines? God can sanctify, well, we want him to sacrifice your whole spirit. So people say, well, the reason why I'm still living in sin was half of my spirit has been sanctified, you know, but my full spirit has not been sanctified, or half of my soul. That's nonsense. That's not what it's saying. It literally means this. Listen to me. This is what it means. If you translated this to English correctly, it would say, God sanctify you wholly and completely, meaning God will sanctify you to bring you to the right standard of quality. And the sanctification, in a sense, this sanctification will bring you to perfect quality. And it will not leave any part of you out. Holotelis means the quality. It will bring you to perfection. Holocleros means it will make sure nothing inside you escapes sanctification. And after... Does that make sense? After Holocleros, it then says, Numa Kai Suki Kai Soma, meaning the definition of nothing being missing, you, the complete you that will be brought to full perfection is your spirit, your soul, and your body. So the word Holocleros there is saying, we won't leave any part of you out. We want to sanctify your spirit and leave your soul and or your body on their own. For it to be holocleros, it must include your spirit which cannot be divided. Your soul which can also not be divided. That's why the flesh is not a part of your soul. It's, I keep repeating, it's your entire soul not governed by God's spirit through your spirit. And the same way, we can't tell we are sanctifying your brain, your organs and your hands but we'll cut you in two. The moment we cut you in two, you don't exist anymore. If I cut off your leg, if I amputate your leg, it is no longer a part of your body. Does that make sense? If I chop your leg off, it is no longer a part of your body. If I chopped your leg off and I stepped on it, you would not feel pain from the step. So now we understand what Paul means in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. What he's saying is, I, ego, what's the ego? My entire spirit, listen, my entire soul and my entire body. When I am completely, correctly, when I'm completely and correctly complete, I use my mind, my nose, in essence, I use my soul. When, when, I, when my spirit is in its rightful place, when I am as I should be, I, 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 de I delegate the act of proskuneering God and having koinonia with him through the agency of my mind, my soul. Colon, but with the flesh, meaning... When you delete my spirit from the equation, 
I have no choice but to serve the law of sin. Do we now understand what Romans 7 is saying? He's not saying there's two sides of me fighting. No, 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 no. There's either all of me or a part of me saying, if you leave me correct, ego, holy, holoclerus, holotelos, right? When I am as I should be, the end product is, and notice he doesn't say I served. He says I serve. Now, this is the misunderstanding because I've heard, and again, God forgive me, there was a time when I preached. You know, I preached it because the people I was listening to preached it too. Preacher, listen to me. Take my advice. This young man has been preaching 22 years. Take my advice. Don't preach anything that you have not wrestled with yourself in Scripture before God. Don't preach what you were taught in Bible school. Listen, don't even preach what I preach. Right? If, if, if you're going to go and minister somewhere or here, right? Don't come to the pulpit and just say, well, Rev said. Or even if you don't say Rev said, don't just repeat something because I said it. Take it back to your mat with God and wrestle with it for yourself until you come to the same conclusion I came to. People taught, and I used to be one of them, that Paul wrote Romans 7 in third, in, in third tense, or in third person, ten, third person, or from a third person perspective. In a sense, he was talking about himself as a Jew before he was born again. That's not true. Because if you understand Romans 7.25 in the phrase, in frame after, so I said, this may shock you. I told you, you may find out that other people have inadvertently, unintentionally, and I used to be one of them, lied to you. Romans 7 isn't Paul writing from a third-party perspective about a previous state he was in. Paul is telling you, right, that at any point in time of his current human experience, where his spirit is locked out of the governance of his soul, he immediately becomes in the flesh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is applied to Paul. <laughs> and I told you Paul's my hero. Okay. That's why, going back to Matthew 16, in the same conversation where Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. A few verses later, same conversation, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Satan, get the... Why? Because... The spirit suddenly was dissociated. And this is the this is the conundrum of a believer trying to relate with a spirit who is picky. Mandy, the spirit is picky. And when Adam fell, all, see, Satan knew what he was doing because he understood if he introduced sin, man would flip. In essence, now, before it took an act of man's will to sin, now it takes an act of man's will to take advantage of grace. Man's natural tendency was to connection to, submission to, and fellowship with the Spirit. Now, someone say now, now, the natural tendency is to be outside the spirit, meaning there can be no acceptable proskineo and kononia. 
It means we cannot connect with him and he cannot visit us even though he is mindful of us. But we cannot exercise the authority that comes with the mindfulness. So we are now left in the flesh to languish in a cesspool where any attempt to pursue God will only end up in the epignosis of sin. With the mind, I, ego, meaning when I am completely constituted, I choose to worship God. When my spirit is not in control, via, or God's will is not controlled via my spirit, everything I do will serve the law of sin via my flesh. Are you with me, somebody? This is what makes Romans chapter 8 very special. If you don't understand what Romans 7 is really saying, you miss the beauty of 8. And what is 8 saying? 8 starts by saying, there is therefore now, someone say now, now no condemnation to them which are where? where where so you see there has been a shift we have stepped out of the flesh how because we now have the connecting power of god's spirit governing our soul our mind will and emotion has now been surrendered to the inspiration and i'm not talking about religion i mean literally there is a pulse of life there is a connection, there is a koinonia, there is a fellowship, there is a oneness, there is a union facilitated by prayer, by worship, by reading the Bible, by fellowshipping with other believers. In essence, when I fellowship with another believer, I'm literally allowing the God in me connect to the God in you. That's why one of us can put a thousand, two can put ten. That's why when two of us or three or more gather in his name, he is what? Present. In essence, he is Activated. There is an even deeper flow of him because there is more of the discrete parts of him in homeostasis. Are you getting me? When, that, when a believer begins to engage that correctly, the Bible says he is now in Christ. How can, oh, Maria Katavane, Tsunami Kappa, how can you be in Christ? You're in the system governed by his authority. But you're also in right relationship with the other parts of his body. I alone am not Christ. I'm a part of the body. To get Christ, you need to put the body together. It then says, walk not after. Pause. There's a problem. There's still a problem here. Even now that I'm in Christ, Tony, I can still choose to walk after the flesh. Means... I can be positioned in my salvation and still delegate my decisions, feelings, and emotions to my flesh. Okay. When I was in the flesh, I had no choice. Now that I am in Christ as a position, notice position, there is a difference between my position and my experience when I got saved I became positionally in Christ Joe Biden is positionally the president of the United States of America he can experientially not be I'll give you an example if he puts on 
a disguise and walks into a bar. Nobody knows who he is. And he pours a drink on someone. He go and get punched. Should the president of the United States of America be able to be punched? If he's in his position, he should have a detail of secret. If he walks in fully dressed with his secret service detail, he can pour that drink on you and there's nothing you can do. But if he, if he lives out a reality, even though he is positionally president, he can act in a way that is not in the office or the authority of the presidency and he will get the punch live and direct i'd punch him he poured a i'm, over, I'm only joking but get the point i said sorry i didn't it was you he can then choose to walk after the flesh or after the spirit this is what the bible then means when it says listen verse three for what the law could not do in that it was weak through. Why was the law weak? Because it was dealing with the flesh. God now sent his son in the likeness. Someone say likeness. Man was made in the image of God. When man fell, God had to be made in the image of man. Likeness, arrangement, behavior. God had to subject himself to the same technology man was subject to. And sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. I'm jumping for the sake of time. We'll come back here tomorrow. But the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are what? After the flesh, mind. So how do we know you're after the flesh? You're minding the things of the flesh. They that are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit. Listen, verse 8. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So listen, if you're struggling to deal with this spirit I've been teaching about, this is why. Or this is most likely why. And notice, it doesn't mean you have to be in sin. You can't be in sin without being in flesh, but you can be in flesh without quote and unquote doing what we call sin. So, man, you can be living according to the rules and still be in flesh. If a spirit is not governing your pursuit, you're in the flesh. You can pray in the flesh. You can fast in the flesh. You can study your Bible in the flesh. You can try and live holy in the flesh. And there will be no connection because you cannot please God. You cannot proskineo him. You cannot have koinonia with him. Verse 9, he then says, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit if the spirit of God dwells in you. Look, see, you are in the spirit if he dwells. Someone say dwells. Doesn't say if he visits, if he dwells. We'll look at the word dwell tomorrow. It's more than just being present. Dwelling is more than just being. He that dwells in the secret place of the most high God shall abide. Okay, right? Whew. Let, 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 let me stop there for tonight. Let me stop there for tonight. But do you now understand what Paul means when he says later on in his epistles, when he says that the flesh, Galatians, lost after the spirit and the spirit after the flesh, and they are fighting one another? Do you now get it? It means, Mandy, if your soul is not governed by God's spirit through your spirit, 
it will automatically fight God. And that ungoverned soul, God will also fight. You cannot have koinonia with something you're fighting. And notice there, the word spirit is capital S now. So the Holy Spirit is at war with an ungoverned soul. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit is what? At war with an ungoverned soul. And the ungoverned soul is equally at war with the Holy Spirit. And they cannot be reconciled. That's what Galatians is saying to us. There is no middle ground between an ungoverned soul and God. It's also what the Bible means when it says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will mortify the deeds of the flesh. We'll look tomorrow at the Bible talking about the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. It will all make sense. But as of today, see, so has God kept his promise through me? Do you now see where the missing link is in your connection with God? See why that spirit we've been talking about seems distant, Tony? And you see why God can open the eyes of many of you to the spirit realm? Because all that will come for you are strange spirits because you're in the flesh. If God gave you access to this dimension, many of you want. Can you see that how it's an act of mercy? God is saying, if I open the door to this realm where beings reside, the beings that will come for you first are the strange variety because you are in their poor park. You are out, you are not, you, you are not in spirit. So you can be in the spirit realm. But I don't, I don't like the word spirit realm because it's really not biblical. You can be in the unseen realm. Because all we call the spirit realm is literally just the unseen realm. It's not, it's not the spirit realm in that it's a realm for holy spirits. You are on, the, you see, Tony, you are on the, you're on the unseen realm right now. You exist in it right now. It, it's in this room. The unseen realm is in this room right now, right? So it's not, it's not, there's not this planet called the spirit realm, then there's earth, no. They, they, they are superimposed on one another. Does that make sense? The same way you, you can't see the, 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 um, the, 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 the microscopic realm now, can you? There's particles floating in this room you can't see, but they're there. It's the same, same, it just, just extrapolated to a higher level. But if God gave you sensitivity to it, and gave you the agency to tinker with it like many of you want in your current state. Woo! He's there. He's waiting. But he's saying, put that soul of yours under divine government. And that's what salvation was designed to do. That's why Jesus died. That's all. Money, that's all. That's all. That's all. That's all. Does it make sense now? That's all. That's why you don't go to heaven the moment you get saved. Salvation didn't come to take you to heaven. Because there was, you were supposed to be on earth before man fell. Salvation is the only way God could reconnect that governing relationship. And now he wants you on earth to live the way Adam was always designed to live. Which is being governed by your spirit under the government of his spirit. So you, I, ego, 
can with my mind. So I can now use, so in essence, in that state, the soul becomes a servant, not a master. Does that make sense? In that state, the soul becomes a servant, not a master. So your soul doesn't govern you anymore, Mandy. Your emotions don't run you. You run them. You decide, I want to feel happy. Or better yet, I want to feel joy. Then what do you do? You go in the spirit to the shelf called the fruit of the spirit. And you find joy. And you install it in your soul. How? Tony, that's what I did when I got here at 6.30. I was troubled. I was, what I saw this morning, I was rattled. I was shaking. Does that make sense? Fear was rising. So I, I got here and I, I, I said, you know what, give me a mic. And rakat, I was looking for faith. I was looking for joy. I was looking for peace. Does that make sense? It was, the, so you, I will tell you how to feel. And so it started off as ramakasikata bahadi alaba, remekondo. And then at some point, when I got to the shelf, when I found it, the tongues changed. It went from the tongue of, of supplication to the tongue of authority. Because I was asking for something, I had been given it. It was now my job to install it and enforce it. So I took, does that make sense? I took joy, I took peace, and I said, So you will run the program called Joy and Peace. At that point, I'm not asking God anymore. Does that make sense? So, I, I, Ramakasila, but you don't, you don't shout at God. You don't scream at God. Does that make sense? We need to understand. Even in tongues, there's, there's decorum. But when I'm done with God, and I'm not dealing with my soul, or the enemy, oh, I'm a diff does that make sense? It's different now. Does that make sense? So I don't say, well, I'm going to get divorced because, not because somebody's abusing me, not because the person cheated on me, I'm going to get divorced because we have irreconcilable differences. We just fell out of love. That is the flesh. But I, ego, with my spirit in control, with the mind, so I find agape in the spirit. Does that make sense? Every morning I find agape and I look at my wife and I install it. And she doesn't know when I'm doing it. Sometimes she thinks I'm just teasing her. I'm installing it. And it works. Mandy, I make up my mind. That's the most beautiful girl in the world. I don't care what you say. I, I have programmed my soul. This is what Paul means when he says to set your affections. Or set your mind. Does that make sense? So you control the soul. You will be attracted to that girl. Does that make sense? She's the wife of your youth. Her eyes are perfect her lips are spectacular her body shape is mm. if you're taller than her you're too tall if you're shorter than her you're too short if you're skinnier than her you're anorexic to me if you're bigger than her to me just does that make sense to, you get the point she, it, it, i decide when you first meet her your hormones help you decide as you get older and wiser and more godly you put the hormones aside. Does that make sense? The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. Always. It is impossible to keep that command if you cannot do Romans 7.25. 
because there will be times where your soul says i am not joyful then you tell your soul i ego with my spirit in control with the grace that's why we ask for grace does that make sense not because we're sleeping around not because we're stealing money not because we're killing people that's why we cry and say god have mercy lord forgive my help my infirmity it's not an act of i committed a ten commandment sin it's lord if if i don't have this grace this soul of mine mm, i know what it's capable of it's a preventative measure Bible says we can approach the throne of grace in time of need. Someone say time of need. To obtain mercy and grace. In essence, if you come before the need, you get grace. If you come after the need, you get mercy. You guys are used to getting to that, that throne for, mer for mercy. In essence, I've messed up. I've done something wrong. Lord, mercy. That same throne dispenses grace. Mercy is useful after the fact. Grace is useful before the fact. So I go, Mandy, and I've learned, Mandy, to go before the need arrives. His mercies are new every. So, Mandy, I don't wait until I mess up now. When I wake up, Lord, I'm here. And if you hear me pray sometimes, I sound like, like, like a publican. I say, Lord, you know. I say, God, it's your I say, God, I've come again. I told you, I've come again. I say, you, you, you know what I'm capable of. I say, well, you know, see, if you, I say, well, if you just, just, just manage me the way I am. Just, 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 just manage me. Save me for myself. This soul of mine is stubborn. It's obtuse. It's obdurate. It's rebellious when it's not in control by my spirit. And the only way it can be in control by my spirit is because there is a spirit in me and your breath gives me understanding. If you understand this prayer becomes simple. You will be terrified to face a day without having first had the breath of God give you understanding. You'll be shocked what you are capable of. Hear me, somebody. Man of God, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. Are you hearing me? Oh, I, I saw Satan's plan this morning. I was shocked. I was shocked. Can I, can I, can I give you an example from a long revelation just to help some of you understand what I'm saying? So, Tony, I, I saw a car that I had before. It got involved in an accident. It was a, uh, was a oh, I won't mention what it is. It's not irrelevant. But it was a very, very, very nice car. And the car was given back to me. Symbolizing something. I parked it on the road. I came in the evening. And there were so many jealous people around me. Saying, hey, your car is blocking us. I said, okay, I'll move it. And then as, I, as I moved it, I literally moved the car, Mandy, from here to there. Came out of the car. To see if I packed it in the right place. Came out of the car to check the curb. Turned around and the car was gone. I began to press the key. Now this is just a small part of the vision. I told you there's a part for the whole world. For two nations. For kingdom culture. There was also a part for me. Now I began to press the key. I could hear the car beeping, Mandy. I could see the lights of the car reflecting in the streets. But the car physically was nowhere to be found. I was walking around like, where is this car? And then I heard the beep and I saw the light inside a building directly in front of where I parked it. Tony, so I walked into the building and what did I see? 
the worst brothel you could imagine. I was in it for exactly one second. I literally, you know the Homer Simpson thing? I was like... But in that one moment, I saw things in that one moment, in that, in that, in that, in that encounter, that are unimaginable. Lost, on, I mean, acts and just the thought of it, I needed a, a bloodbath. Debauchery. And I came out. I'm like, I'm like, even if the car is inside there. And as I began to ask God, God, what does this mean? He explained some things to me, but part of what he said, son, this is the plan. Now, relax. I have seen such revelations before. It's not my first rodeo. That makes sense? I've seen revelations. I died. I'm still alive. You know what to do. But God was saying, son, that thing, in essence, your pursuit of destiny in this season is designed by the enemy to take you through. Does that, does that make sense? So, so yes, that's, Tony, that's why Tony, every building we've ever had, I have never had an office since I started pastoring Kingdom Culture where there is not a see-through door to my office because of this kind of dream. You know why? I am aware, Mandy. I'm aware that in me lies no good thing. So I have learned every day to find the fruit of the Spirit. We'll talk about this tomorrow. Tony, they're, they're cartridges. They're like ink cartridges. They're like DVD players, DVDs. You find them on the shelf of God's grace and you insert them in your soul. You say, soul, you will. David says, I will magnify the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. David had conversations with his soul. He asked his soul questions. David, I told you Paul was David's elder brother, right? I told, remember I told you that in David's later years, he, he started to graduate into the Pauline dimension? This is what I meant. David says, with my, with my mind, my nose, my soul, I will serve God. Many of you have no idea what this level is, but you will get it this week. And when you get it, watch the spirit world open to you on another dimension. Because now God can trust you. I literally mean a man or woman who, I'm not saying you're trying to. Well, you know, when you try to without God's grace, it's, oh, I want to love you, but I can't love you. So I just can't bring myself to forgive. You're trying. That's, that's the soul engaging the law and producing the prognosis of sin. I mean, you take grace. And you say, Mandy, I will love you. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. You cannot make me not love you. Because with my soul, I am now ego. The ego, the spirit in this right place is now in control. I will serve God. And if God says I, can't, I can only serve him by loving you, then you're loved. How can you give so much of your income? Simple. <laughs> I'm serving God with my soul. There's no shoe nice enough. Hear me. There's no holiday beautiful enough. Does that make sense? 
How did you create secular music? Simple. God said so. That was it. There's no beat nice enough. Oh, in the early days, there was the struggle. But when grace came, does that make sense? So I have now set my soul, Tony, to where the kind of music I used to love now offends me. And then you go deeper. You can apply it to even non-spiritual things. Oh, I was in love with chicken before. I have now set my soul to where the smell of chicken offends me. I don't like it anymore. It took a while, but I told my soul, we like fish. My mom knows growing up, I hated fish. I had an exemption for my body in house not to eat fish. When God said, son, your life is on the line, I said, so sit down, let's talk. The same way we did porn uh, pornography, let's do diet. Does that make sense? Same thing with fasting. We are going to fast. Does that make sense? Soul, we will fast. God says he wants a certain number of days, one meal a day. You can be hungry for a day or two or three. I'll feed you small. I'll try and wean you off. But eventually I'll lose patience and I will go and take grace. I'll find it in the spirit. It may take me four hours. Sometimes it takes two days. Sometimes it takes two years to locate the requisite inspiration the breath of the Almighty. But once you get it, once you have rejoiced in the Lord like Mary, you can now say, my soul, magnify God. This is what God wants. This is what he will get. I will teach you what to think. I will teach you what to feel. I will teach you how to decide. Let's pray. Someone lift your voice and cry out to God about what you've heard tonight. Apply it to yourself. You know where it affects you. Some of you don't even have the right to ask that prayer because you have no relationship with God. You have not been born again. Your spirit is for all intents and purposes dead. It's dormant. Your whole life has been lived in the flesh. You need salvation. This is what salvation really is. It's not just fire insurance. This is how you know you're saved. There is now a force within you that gives you the right of choice. You can still choose to walk after the flesh if you want, but at least now you have the cartridge available to load. If you're that person, would you, would you, would you say... You know what, I don't even want you to say a prayer with me because that makes it sound like you can just say some magic words. No, I want you to ask God. Say, Lord, please, would you give me grace to yield to you? Can I open your mouth and pray? Say, Lord, I, in your own words, something along the lines of, Lord, I surrender to your governance. Jesus, I receive your sacrifice. For real. I've been going to church, but for real. Now I'm ready to surrender my will to yours. Enter my heart and my life. Build your throne. I believe you died, were buried and resurrected. Let the spirit that raised you from the dead quicken me. Give me access to the dominating power of God's spirit. Create in me a new heart and renew a right spirit within me. 
Some of you have walked so far in your flesh. Yes, you're saved, but you've, you've given your carnal desires so much leeway that you need God to intervene now. Say, Lord, help me. Years ago, I used to pray the prayer. I said, God, don't leave me like this. I said, Lord, I'm behind enemy lines. I told him. 2003, 2004, when I began to try to find my way back, I said, Lord, I feel like a soldier that's been captured behind enemy lines. I said, Lord, I can't escape. This sin has such a hold on me. I said, God, please come back for me. I would cry. I said, Lord, if you're out there, it'll take an encounter, but don't leave me like this. Oh, and he answered. And when he did, he came with the splendor of his majesty till deep within my spirit began to sing holy. Say, Lord, give me your grace. Let the spirit in me receive the breath of the almighty. Let the spirit within me receive the breath of the almighty till it comes alive. And it begins to dominate my world till it starts to speak, till it starts to frame thoughts, emotions, and desires on the inside of me. And for some of us, it's that there is a battle. We're still in the phrase of the, we've been saved, we've, we've yielded, but now we're where Paul talks about where the flesh and the spirit are warring. Say, God, settle this matter. To decide, the end of the word side is the word to kill. Homicide. Herbicide. Means to kill. So to decide means to kill the alternative. Say, God, teach me to connect with you in the spirit for the requisite substance to insert into my soul to kill the alternative to your will. Kill it. Kill it. This is why we pray. One of the reasons why we pray. To find that cartridge. The cartridge for the moment. Sometimes it's faith. Sometimes it's joy. Sometimes it's forgiveness. Sometimes it's a cartridge that says he supplied all my need according to his riches, even when I feel poor. The bills are due. Anxiety is rising. You find the cartridge of provision and you install it till your soul magnifies the Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, I decide. I kill the alternative. Be thou glorified father by the order of your glory by virtue of what you have brought us into these last 14 days so far i ask that you now begin to open slowly and surely according to your timing open the door to the unseen realm let many who have struggled to relate with you as spirit suddenly find an ease as they yield themselves to the journey of receiving your inspiration such that their souls can be governed and they no longer walk in the flesh 
but can proskineo you in the spirit. We give you praise and glory. Thank you for a season of visitations and encounters that the eyes of our understanding now be enlightened. Now you get it by the breath of God in our spirit that we may know the hope of our calling, your inheritance in us, and the depth of your power at work towards us. Be thou glorified. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. To God be the glory. Greater things he is doing. To God be the glory. Greater things he will yet do. In Jesus name. Somebody put your hands together for worthy God tonight. A couple of announcements real quick for you, Ron. Um, as I said tonight, before I started, we are in a season of an emergency in the spirit. I'll be sharing with the elders and the leaders over the next few days some of the things that I saw and heard. But the, we have heightened the alert level in the spirit. This is the time to pray like a maniac. Anything you don't need to do in this season, shut it down. Shut down social media if it's unnecessary. Shut down TV. There's a battle going on in the spirit. Fight. Contend for your future. Contend for the future of our house. If you're from another ministry, our houses. For the future of your nation and the will of God around the world as a whole. Amen. And like I said, once I, once I clarify with the leaders, uh, we're going to have a seven night between now and the end of these 40 days. We're going to have seven nights back to back where we pray at 11 p.m. every night. We will put this spirit, spiritual rebellion down and walk into the fullness of all that God has for us. Amen. If you haven't registered for the summit, go do so right now. The details will be on your screen in a second. Um, and if you want to volunteer uh, to be a worker or volunteer in any capacity at the summit, of course, there's a Google form in the description of this video. We need all the hands we can get from, from drivers to hospitality to people to do prayer, uh, media, everywhere you can think of, even children's teachers. Of course, that will need you to be vetted on an extra level. But please let us know if you can spare a few days of the whole week God will uh, reward you. And finally, please, 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 uh, some of the, uh, uh, since I've come back from being ill, I've been told that several of you have written in, thank you for your, for your hand of partnership and fellowship. But if you are a current person who gives regularly to Kingdom Culture, or you feel a call now that we've asked for partners to do so, please don't just give on a regular basis. We want to set up a forum in which we can begin to give back to you both spiritually and practically. So let's know who you are. Send us an email with at least your name, a phone number, and an email address uh, so that we can uh, communicate with you about the things we have in place, partners meetings, partners prayer sessions, and also a couple of materials that we want to put together for you so that you can fulfill your destiny, not just in quote-unquote church, but in your calling in the marketplace for many of you. And that includes work, working with you to see financial 
empowerment and emancipation because this covenant of the kingdom has a component the spirit that met abraham isaac and jacob came with a component of financial liberation and we want to be sure that you are reaping the full benefit paul tells the philippians that because you partnered with him financially there is a benefit for you we want to coach you to reap the full we don't want you to say well we gave to kingdom culture and we didn't see anything just throwing the money alone won't work giving the money is the first part there are other elements and we want to come alongside you to walk with you so you can see the full return of your partnership so please if you haven't already send an email to kingdombuilders at kculture.org and even if you send an email to contact at kculture.org just to be sure we don't lose it you can resend it to this new email address god bless you guys we're back tomorrow at 6 30 we're starting at 6 30 with prayer for 30 minutes we're going to be praying in the spirit for 30 minutes before we start the official teaching session at seven if you can't make it that's fine we're just following an instruction from god to heighten the alert levels but if you can join us at 6 30 to pray awesome and then at seven o'clock we'll kick off as normal bless you guys have an amazing night see you in the glory